0: Welcome to the Liberty Experts Podcast, where all your liberty questions are answered, discussed, and debated by experts. Now, here are your liberty experts, Tim Moen and David Birnbaum. Hey, Tim. How's it going? Hey, David. It's going pretty good. It's going pretty good. I can't complain. can't complain. Gonna have a luau with the family tomorrow night. You know, daughters are cooking up a Hawaiian feast, so... I'm going to start on my program the day after that luau. All right. Nice. Is that all right? Cool.
1: Sounds good. Um, so today we wanted to continue. I, I'm, I'm assuming I'll want to talk about this quite a bit as I continue to explore it, but people should check out another episode we've done where I talk about realizing that I'm transgender and so, you know, gender is kind of a hot topic in the culture, in politics and stuff. So we wanted to continue that. And you recently interviewed or had a discussion with a, with a trans woman. Why don't you tell me and the viewers a little bit about that? And then we can just sort of jump in where, you know, you might want to whatever issues you might want to talk about today.
0: Sure. Well, Marcy reached out to me. She was very concerned about Bill C-16, um, thought it, it painted it. it put her more at risk um, and had all sorts of negative unintended consequences for uh, transgender people. Um, You know, for example, she said, look, if she applies at a machinist shop and um, Bill and Joe, uh, you know, the boss thinks about Bill and Joe in the back who aren't very politically correct or sensitive, let's say, uh, but are great machinists. And I bring in this, uh, you know, Marcy, who is well qualified and looks like a good applicant, but damn, uh, I'm worried about the ramifications when she inevitably, inevitably cries harassment on Bill and Joe there, those two uh, kind of Neanderthals I have working back there. And she's got this legislation backing her up. This is going to be a huge uh, headache, PR nightmare, everything else for me. Uh, you know, I'm going to pass on this applicant and go on to the next qualified applicant. Uh, so that was one thing that she pointed is that, um, she, she thinks it's going to make it harder for trans people to get employed, even though in theory, bill C-16 is supposed to prevent you from, from being discriminated against. Right. You, you never know most of the time why someone didn't choose to hire you. And she suspects it's going to get a lot harder to get hired. Cause why would an employer want the headache of mm. having to deal with, um, with issues in in in-house like that and the other thing she said is she she doesn't want to be viewed as someone that's imposing values on others or imposing like an agenda on others she she just wants to be free to live her life Mm -hmm. you know she doesn't she she isn't even asking people to accept her you know she just wants to have freedom to you know not be beat up not be Uh, oppressed by her government and stuff like that and she wants to be left alone just like every other good libertarian um and so this so she says now this bill c-16 and is bringing a stigma on trans people that they want to control everyone and control our thoughts and control our speech and everything else and she doesn't want that and she says you know she would prefer it if people you know she she believes that her best her best uh, path forward to getting some acceptance and love in society is to, is to be just that be um, you know, be loving, not compelling or something like that. So that was, that was kind of interesting. And we, we also had a discussion about, you know, she talked about um, how she thinks it's wrong for transgender people to compete in women's sports. Mm -hmm. Uh, She, she talked about um, how she's really concerned about um, uh, about young kids being put on puberty blockers and different things like that and how it ought to be an adult decision. And I, I started, I pushed back a little bit just to play the devil's advocate. Cause I wanted to see how she'd respond to a lot of the critics uh, on the other side, like, like how, you know, cause she, she herself said, look, I, I knew I was female uh, by the time I was five or six at a very young age. And I said, okay, well, what, what advice would you give to to your parents, if you could go back or what would advice would you give to parents who, of kids who are in the same boat? You are, would you, you know, advise them to not do gender affirming surgery or put them on puberty blockers? Would you advise them? Um, and I, am not sure she had a solid answer one way or the other, but I think what we concluded was that definitely the government doesn't know what's best for that kid. Like it's a complicated subject and, you know, parental rights definitely shouldn't be removed, because a parent doesn't want their kid to go through that at a young age. Um, And that seems to be what's happening now, is that um, if you don't allow your kid to to have gender reassignment or be put on puberty blockers, um, I think there's a case in BC where uh, parental rights were removed. Um, Yeah,
1: so so that's really fascinating. I I mean, based on your summary, I'd, I'd have similar views to, to Marcy on many of these issues, right? So I'll definitely have to reach out and, and have a conversation with her. Um, you know, I'd never working backward, like, um, just try and imagine the opposite, right? If, if the government was trying to give your kids puberty blocker, or like give your kids these drugs and, and you couldn't not have the government do that. right? Right. Trying to not give your kids these drugs and the government, it's the same thing, right? It's just from a different perspective. And I but I think it's more jarring to view it, uh, like, in in this other sort of lens, right? Um, With respect to the the one thing that was really interesting to me is I hadn't thought of those potential negative uh, ramifications of Bill C16, right? A lot of the other stuff you talked about uh, with Marcy, I, I, I largely, I think would be on the same page um, as her. And, but I'd not thought of that about how someone would be concerned about there's, there's this assumption, there's this really sort of, I don't know the right word, but like a haughty assumption in the, the trans activists in this movement that like, oh, once we dictate something through the government, everyone will do it and they should do it, and they'll want to do it, or they're not even worth considering, right? right? So like, the idea is, oh, no, obviously, these two guys will know how sensitive transgender people are, and that they can't misgender. No, it's a, they're people, they've, they're, and like, as a business owner, they're valuable, regardless of if they know the nuances of gender theory or whatever, and so I have to factor that in as an employer. That's not even in the minds of the people pushing this legislation, I don't think, right? But it's really interesting, and it actually makes me think of, I don't remember if you told me about this or where I heard it, but apparently like the, the, the law in the US that made it illegal or in some states to ask whether or not someone had a prison conviction actually lowered the rate of black people being hired Mm. right the intention was to stop discrimination right it's always the intention is to stop discrimination by putting a magnifying glass on the differences right like and so it's so so backward um but so yeah they they remove this rule and then there are factors and okay well i don't want to hire an ex-con which should be my right And I know statistically X percent of white people, X percent of brown people, X percent of black people are convicts. And I have to factor that in now because I'm not allowed to get the information I want with respect to my employees. Right. So it's sort of a different it's the other perspective on the same issue, which is, I think, fascinating. Um, And yeah, it's definitely like for her to actually be in that situation where she thinks that is going to impact her livelihood that's devastating right and i think that that is that does pair with like her 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 desire to live and let live which is not the desire of the people quote in charge of the trans movement or whatever right they have yeah. no concept of live and let live Right. It's no force my view on you. And I, I agree. That's why I was even he- hesitant to call myself transgender mm-hmm. rather than gender dysphoric, like gender dysphoric, because I don't want to be associated with all of these people pushing these agendas, forcing people to, uh, you know, forcing the government or having the government force them to let you in their bathroom to date you to to whatever right. it is that they're trying to force others to do. So I totally understand yeah. that but you know I'm lucky that I don't think it will directly damage my career my my livelihood but it's really unfortunate if if she actually thinks it's put her in a position like that.
0: Well it, it she definitely feels that way and she feels she it's a double whammy because you know she feels that by speaking out now like we've gone back and forth a number of times where she's been really nervous about speaking out because she feels she's going to be Uh, targeted now um yeah by trans activists or whatever and you know she's painting a target on her back and and of course um you know that's really unfortunate as well so uh yeah it's a it's uh, it's not an easy easy life and you know I got like I told her I I mean I think she's going to come off as a very sympathetic figure to the audience I think that uh, even conservatives who might swing too far one way where they're like, they think all transgenderism is immoral or whatever. Um, they're going to look at her and, and think, okay, this is someone I can support and get behind. And like, mm. you know, even if I don't agree with her lifestyle or whatever, or, or I think she might be on a wayward path, I mean, she's harmless and she has a nice, She she's nice and she's, advocating for the same things I am and right. and I mean by god th- th- these are the kind of people you want representing transgenders trans- transgender folks right I mean because yeah. the, they, they are going to be do the most to break down bigoted uh, and views of of transgenderism so uh, but it, it it's not easy. I mean, she described her life and how difficult it is and how, yeah, coming out as transgender is basically she's she's essentially accepted the fact that now she's going to be alone and she's going to earn a lower income and all these other things. She's at risk of getting beat up all the time. I mean, you know, all all these things are huge problems. And um. And then she says, add on to that now, Bill, Bill C-16, which is adding to the problem. It's not making the problem better. It's making it worse. It's yeah. it's animating bigotry towards transgender people, if anything. Right. That, and, and you know, it's making it harder to get employed and it's painting them as the enemy and she just wants to be accepted. And, and um, so, I mean, I, I think she's kind of, uh, she's kind of living, a life that, that can show that there's another way to solve this problem of, of discrimination and stigmatism and, and, uh, you know, all, um, you know, all these problems in the trans community and she's showing how there's a different way other than using state force that this can be solved. And I think that's, that's great and courageous,
1: right? Yeah. And I, and I think that's, you know, people have asked me why I'm coming out, why I talk about it so publicly while I'm still figuring it out, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it's that very thing, right? There needs to be a counter movement to what's going on, not just for political reasons because they have the wrong politics, but for human reasons, like it's, it's really the detrimenting people's lives, making it scarier. And like, you know, imagine trying to be a black person or a gay person who goes outside the mainstream narrative, you're othered, right? Candace Owens isn't black, she's a traitor or whatever it is, right? right. The, the trans, I think it's even more potent, it seems in the trans community. Right. Um, and like, who wants to be the first one to disagree with the, with the group yeah. narrative or whatever it is. Right.
0: Right. And you know what, it's not, it's not just, um, in the trans community, it's everywhere. Like if you don't believe in the welfare state, you hate poor people, right? If you, uh, don't believe in a carbon tax, you, you want to destroy the environment, you know? Right. It's I, a, yeah.
1: I think it's more potent and unique because in de- in very few people identify as hating uh, the welfare state, right? It's not a part of their experience, right? Right. Whereas, Yeah, that's fair. Right? Whereas some people, like like some people, when it comes to being gay or being black or being trans, many more people do have that as like a centerpiece of their identity, right? And whether or not they should or to what degree, that's a different issue, right? But to, like, it takes enough courage to just do that in the first place, right? Which is what like that's the well-meaning behind some of the stuff that's going on is it is difficult to put yourself out there. Just generally, you will get hate, you will get backlash, blah, 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 from people who just don't like that you're different. But then on top of that, there's everyone who's claiming to support you because you're different hates the other things you identify with. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. like, it's like both sides will hate you. And that's what makes it like Mm -hmm. scary for me as well. Um, is, okay, I know the sort of stereotypical bigot on the right, quote unquote, will not like me, but I honestly think those are a few uh, relative to the claims. Um, but then also like all of the left who claims compassion will also hate me because I disagree with their narrative. So to come out in that environment is like, is very scary. And so that it's like, it's not just the the welfare state thing where yeah everyone will get hate on that but at least then i can identify and feel like uh, associated with the other people who hate the welfare state right whereas this is like quite a more unique niche
0: at least yeah. right now
1: right
0: yeah interesting well yeah and um i mean how are you doing going through all this we, uh, we haven't caught up in a while what uh, have you come to any uh insights or you know what's what's it been like going through this um I mean, transition, I guess.
1: It's the toughest thing I've ever had to deal with. Like, it's so tough. And everything that the culture historically thinks about trans people, that's all programmed into my mind, too. Right. Mm. So, there's so much work to be done on self acceptance. It's really, really painful because I can look at myself and feel disgust or feel whatever. Right. Um, Because I don't think I should look this way for some reason, right? Some context, like some cultural reason that got into my mind. So that's quite tough. I've started to, the more I can talk about it openly, that's sort of my way of showing myself my acceptance, right? Right. So even if I can't feel it all of the time, the fact that I'm willing to put myself out there in this setting, that, is me accepting it or starting to accept it, which makes me feel a bit better. Um, right. But I've only realized that recently because I've been really struggling with, you know, wanting to live a certain way and then accepting that way. Um, right. and, and yeah, I'm trying to just work on, I'm, I'm planning to basically really take this on as a banner, so to speak, right? Like from a business perspective, it also makes sense. Like, this is something I'm uniquely able to speak about. I have a depth of self-awareness that many people find impressive. And so to be able to really lean into this, I think will help me explore it more and come to accept it quicker, Mm -hmm. but also like, is the right move in terms of being an advocate for all of my values. This is the one I can make the biggest impact most quickly uh, in, I think.
0: Right. Right. And so what, I mean, you, when, before we started this, you said, let's do a, let's do an episode on gender. You're, you're obviously it's on your mind. Uh, Do you have any insights into gender? What, what's a good definition, I guess, of gender? How does it differ from um, sex and you know, what are your thoughts there? Have you, I think we talked about this before, but um, yeah, well, so
1: I mean, the actual definition of gender, as I understand it, it just meant sex, right? Historically. I mean, there's clearly a phenomenon of like gender norms, right? So how do men tend to dress and that changes over time, but that's like, that is still rooted in men and women tend to dress a certain way. So for me, I don't, I've not been convinced that there's a need for some new concept, Right? right, like some new realm of things, right? I think gender norms, gender identity, gender expression that all makes sense. And transgender means for some reason your wires are crossed. And like I, as an individual, wish I were a woman, right? But I still don't see how you abstract any of that out to claim gender's not real or gender's a spectrum or whatever. Right. You can say, like, So whether or not gender is a spectrum is a biological question, right? Like there are intersex people and this sort of thing, but gender as a spectrum is not, oh, you're a boy and want to wear women's clothing. That's not the gender spectrum. That's social norms spectrum. Right. Um, And I think it's important to decouple it that way
0: to refocus on the proper conversation but it's, so when you so when you use the term gender, you use it basically synonymously with sex, right? Yeah, and that's how I've always understood right. it. And so when you say meant, you're a tra- and when you say you're you're a trans, it means you you recognize that you're, um, the sex you were born and the sex you'd like to be don't match.
1: Right, and that's the important thing. The sex I'd like to be, right, right. not the sex I am doesn't match the body I have. That doesn't. That's not how I would frame it. Right. Right. and and it's like but it is important to emphasize when it's I, the sex I'd like to be it's not like some whim I've caught con- oh I wish I were a woman no 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 it's right. like yeah. some really deep down mm. like intense need almost right yeah. like um but yeah that's sort of the way I view it and and again the the very notion that there could be transgender while claiming also genders uh, spectrum and you can be whatever anything right like, in the, in the sort of cultural way, that doesn't quite make sense to me. Right. Right. Um, And then, yeah, in terms of like, generally I'm continuing to sort of understand more introspectively just about how my mind works and then genders associated with this, The, the difficult thing right now is I've spent, you know, two and a half months. I mean, really heavily thinking about this, but I've been thinking about it for a few years, understanding my relationship with myself. And so I sort of have an idea of what that will look like and it's still going to be a lot of work to accept and to actually walk that path. But um, what's been really difficult and, and what I'm trying to deal with now is how that relates to like an eventual partner, right? Because mm-hmm. my sexual urges have changed and the way I'll want to be in a couple it are, will be different than it used to be, right? And so that's, very difficult to understand and also very difficult it's not like I can test it without an actual partner right like whereas a lot of this other stuff it's about me my relationship with myself right but that's sort of where the anxiety is right now where the discomfort is I don't know how difficult it will be for me to one find someone properly and also two to have them willing to explore this with me so to speak so that's i think which makes sense because when i think about my development in terms of accepting myself generally it was very much self-focused first and then okay how does this impact the types of relationships i will will want or will have and that sort of thing
0: yeah yeah i can imagine that and and um you you're still attracted to women right like that's when you think of talking about a partner you're talking about uh Finding a woman that will, yeah, um, when that's I'm, like,
1: I'm still, I've never been romantically attracted to a male. Right. Um, I'm only romantically attracted to women, but there, the nature of my urges, my sexual urges, has changed, which is what's really confusing, right? Hmm. And so now there is literally a disconnect between the two in some aspects, and I don't know how to reconcile that. I did an episode of another podcast uh, on polygamy or polyamory and talking about, you know, maybe I wouldn't be able to find someone who can satisfy both needs. It's possible, or maybe I won't be able to satisfy a significant other's needs sexually. Right. And so that's really, uh, you know, difficult to, to work with and understand Um, because there, I mean, there is a clear disconnect in what my body is and what my mind wants and so right, when you're right. then mirroring that to someone else um, like I want uh, emotionally something, but maybe their body won't be able to give me what my body wants. Right. Which mm, is, yeah. um, but you know, there's, there's a wide world
0: out there. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was going to ask you another question too. I was listening recently to a podcast, uh, Michael Shermer, was talking to uh, Abigail Schreier, who wrote a book about this kind of epidemic of um, teenage girls who are identifying as trans mm. um, and how, you know, some friend groups, for example, all five girls will come out as trans or something like that. And, and, you know, historically, I think she said the rate uh, of transgenderism is around 0.01%. And that's been primarily in men. And, um, but here it's like something like 0.03 or 0.3% all of a sudden with this particular cohort, like teenage girls. Mm. And so I'm wondering what uh, advice or what you make of this, like if you were to give advice to a parent or to a teenage girl who thinks they're trans, um, how, how do they know, how would they differentiate it between say a social contagion where they're you know, kind of chasing a fad or being influenced by their environment and one where they, 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 and how would they differentiate that between their like authentic self or something like that?
1: So I wouldn't venture to give advice to anyone like this. It's such a complex and unique situation to each individual, right? I don't think I would let a child of mine, like come to this understanding or decision unless they were almost an adult, and or like, they could speak to me as eloquently as I can speak about this, right? It's such a complex issue for them to actually claim they have this awareness is very difficult for a 12 year old, a 14 year old, right? Um, I don't know enough to know if that is wrong, right? Like maybe there is some because I was also disconnected from myself until I was 24. So if I was like, because I have, I'm on the autism spectrum as well. So I don't know, Enough about like a non autistic trans experience to know if they have more self awareness than I did. Right. But right. what I would say is what comes to mind culturally for me with respect to like a group of girls who all decide they're boys is like the friends who I knew who were all tomboys. Right. Because what they're being told now is if you have masculine traits, masculine desires, masculine aesthetic preferences, mm-hmm. then you're a boy. So right. if that's the surface, like pre puberty they probably don't even have sexual self-awareness, which is the root of the issue in my experience, right? Um, so if, if it's pre-puberty, pre-sexual exploration of themselves, I don't see how they could have any awareness of the fact that they're trans or not. But I could be wrong. I'm open to you know, hearing otherwise. Um, but again, each individual would have to sort of understand is it just that I like the boy things? Cause I have tomboy friends who always liked the boy things, but they never thought it wasn't an idea. Oh, maybe it's because they're a man. Right. Right. For some of them, maybe it is that they're trans, but like, you know, it's a lot of work to come to that understanding. So that's kind of all I have on, on that
0: phenomenon. Yeah, Yeah. I, you know, I guess I was asking that because, um, you know, like you say, it's a complex issue. It's it, you know, I can't imagine what you're going through. And, you know, as an observer, um, I'm trying to figure out for myself, well, how would like, how would you separate? Um, you know, I guess your authentic self from like knowing for a fact that you're trans from, you know, am I just kind of be incentivized by, cultural or societal pressures around me. And I think, you know, you kind of answer that by saying having a, a level of self-awareness and understanding, you know, what, where your, your self, your self um, or, or your, your unconscious mind to some degree and and how it operates.
1: Right. And I think, I mean, it, you used to need to, I don't know if this is certainly true, but I've heard, like you used to have to work with a psychologist for years before you could get right. gender reassignment surgery, because yeah, I still, even the part of me that I have diagnosed as actually trans that is like underneath everything else. Where I got the notion of what it means to be a woman would have had to have been the culture anyways. Right. So it's such a fine line, right. It's like, it's such a fine line that I think it's really difficult to understand though. This is something it would be really interesting for me to talk to Marcy about because you said she knew from a very young age. Right. So it'd be right. really interesting for me to understand how she knew or thought she mm-hmm. knew, right. Or At least right. there was a hypothesis and I'm saying, I don't think it would have been even possible uh, before puberty, but right. you know, I, I could be totally wrong. Yeah, and, and
0: and she said she's hmm. only started living as a trans woman in the past six years. So she went most of her life, not uh, living that, even though she felt like it. And she said, if she had, and when she was 18, if there would have been, some gender affirming puberty blockers or or reassignment surgery that she could get, she would have definitely gotten it and she would have regretted it. She thinks she probably wouldn't have lived very long. Um, And so she, she said it's taken her a long time to, I guess, accept or understand, you know, her place and, and understand herself. And, and she, you know, so she is very skeptical as well of young people, having that much awareness that they can make these big unalterable decisions.
1: And I I think that's an important point is like, there's no part of, I mean, there's no part of me that thinks it's a good idea to get bottom surgery or go on hormones, even though I want to, I want to look more feminine. No part of me rationally think that that, that's a good idea for my life as a whole, based on my knowledge. And so it's interesting that she thinks she would have made that decision and regretted it. Um, because the main idea now is no, no, like you should get it that like, that's the key to your happiness is getting this reassignment and this sort of thing. Um, So that's really fascinating as well. I'll definitely have to, if you can connect the two of us, I think that would be um, great. I'll definitely want to, to talk more with her about it. And the, the other thing I just wanted to add has left my mind. Oh,
0: well, there you go. Um, but term. this was, so Go, ahead. go ahead. I That's was just going to
1: wrap up saying like, this yeah. has been interesting. And it's definitely, if people are interested in this topic in particular, I'm going to be launching a podcast dedicated just to this. Cause I've been talking about sex, but I, I really, for me, I'm basically going to have a show where I invite a friend on and they ask me whatever questions they want, because the whole idea is like educate yourself well so if people are told to educate themselves they can come and i'll share my experience and we can start from there so that's sort of the uh right i'll have people on who i think want more information if they're willing to ask me publicly okay perfect
0: yeah no it sounds very interesting it's uh you know something that fascinates me and uh i've got a lot of questions about as well so i'm sure there's going to be a big audience for that
1: sweet yeah so I'm thinking maybe calling it the truth about gender or the truth about trans or alt trans. Hmm. What what do you think is the best or educate yourself might be a good title for just me as a product, like educate yourself,
0: trans issues, something like that. Well, I think the the truth about gender or the truth about trans definitely has that uh, clickbaity hook to it. That'll get people right um, in. And, um, you know, I I can imagine it will appeal to a more conservative audience as well, because when I, when I hear that term, I'm thinking, oh, they're finally going to expose the trans agenda and I'm going to be able to, you know, explain why this is a mental illness and, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they're going to listen to you who has a lot of their values, but is also trans and they're going to be, I think it'll soften. Um, it'll, it'll, it'll change some minds from that perspective. Um, And I think it'll piss off trans uh, activists, let's say. Yeah, so I just uh, have to
1: pick the truth about gender or the truth about trans. Gender sounds better, trans is more. But uh, we'll see.
0: All right. Thanks, David. Cool. Thank you, David.